0: laban is from australia uh, we're, we're gonna hear his story it's it, laban's got an incredible story but he, I'll, i will tell you he's from australia he, we we had him here in the states he was supposed to be in studio with us uh but uh but he but he is not we're, you're down in mexico is that right laban
1: si sí, senor yeah play del carmen about 45 minute drive from cancun highly recommend this place is paradise wow. yeah is but- that
2: where you live or are you on vacation what are you doing down there man
1: yeah that's where, that's where we base ourselves uh, it was going to be uh alpine utah but um as the lord would have it he's got he's got ideas and plans for us uh that don't involve utah just yet but we'll be back we'll be back early next year
0: good Wow. we, we want you back we want to have you in studio so <clears throat> laban's the author of a book tell us about the book laban
1: Book's called Bet on You, and it's a memoir, self-help book of my journey of conquering the demon drink and drugs and gambling and philandering and limiting beliefs and autoimmune disease and finding the woman of my dreams and reclaiming my mother flipping masculinity, y'all.
0: I love it. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, we're just going to get into it because you have an incredible story. Um, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm actually really excited to get to, to hear a little bit more about it, but also a little bit about it. Uh, one of the things you talk about is how to overcome some of the demons and some of the problems you don't even know you have. And, you know, t- t- when you said that, uh, I think that's exactly, let me see what it was you said. You said, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this to our listeners. So he, uh, so he says, a child, uh, Badly affected by divorce, this is his bio, um, and dysfunction, which I can relate to. I had a really rough divorce growing up as a child. Laban sought validation and escapism in all the wrong places. But through self-discovery, not being afraid to ask for help, and a ton of hard work, he conquered the full gamut of addictions, alcohol, sex, gambling, drugs, and negative self-talk. By understanding and then reverse-engineering the root cause of why he needed to escape, Giving up his addiction was almost effortless. These days he gets his highs from ultra marathon running and searching the planet for the world's best steak. I like it. Today he defines the world. uh, He defines the word transformation, reshaping his body by swapping 60 pounds of fat with 30 pounds of muscle. Boom. There you go. Uh, He discovered a simple cure for his incurable autoimmune disease in the process. Now, physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally in charge of his own destiny, Laban's journey continues to inspire those ready to change their lives. An exemplar and a revolutionary, he, he revels in, in unabashedly sharing what he's learned. How to conquer the demons you don't know you have. That stuck out to me. And how to be unstoppable in getting to, know, in getting to where you want to be. Laban's debut and internationally acclaimed book, Bet on You, is a can't-put-down, must-read with its real, raw, hilarious, and inspiring message of hope. Known affectionately as the world's best courage coach, Laban shares his life with his smoking-hot wife. I like it. <laughs> Where's she at, dude? Is she there? I mean, go seen- She's <laughs> upstairs listening. Live.
2: All
0: right. Cheers to the smoking-hot wife. Um, best, let's see the bravest person he knows and the future mother of their children, Anna. Let's give a shout out to Anna. Uh, so.
1: Bless that woman.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're bummed we missed you because we'd like to have been able to do, we're going to do a double yeah. date with, uh, with you with Alexia. We're kind of looking forward to that, but lock when, you get it in back.
1: when we come back, lock it in, lock it in. I agree with you in your restaurant. We can get it
0: in that bio where it says you can't put
2: your book down. I agree with that, man. And normally I don't say that I love to read books. And normally when somebody says, "Oh, you won't be able to put it down, oh, it's easy to put down. dude yours is yours is actually hilarious. I was laughing a majority of the time and I was like, I, I shouldn't be laughing at this. This is kind of serious stuff here." And I was laughing out loud out. I was like, "Oh, I was telling my wife, I'm like, "Oh, you got to listen to this. Listen, let me read you this part. And it, it's awesome. man, your book is amazing. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. it was it was really well written. How did you how did you become such a good writer? Was somebody else writing the well, book, I, or did you I, write I, it, or
1: who did you have? I to write? wrote it, yeah, and I graciously receive and accept that beautiful compliment, dude. And I? Um, and I didn't write that bio about me, like I, because <laughs> I I love the book too. I I really loved writing it. The the how the book came about is a truly miraculous story, right? And I, and I, if you're happy, I'll share because I think it's a great it's yeah. a great message for for people that are thinking about writing a book or putting something down i started this speaking business by default when COVID hit back in melbourne right melbourne australia Mm -hmm. and uh we were in the strongest lockdowns of anywhere in the world at that time and we had curfews and like three mile radiuses of which we could you know we had to stay within and and masks outside as well as inside and and uh, I had no way of getting my message out because I was just starting. And I had a 13-year career as a recruitment consultant and you know had a crack at running my own business in 2019, which is a total unmitigated financial disaster. <laughs> and uh, I created this podcast. I had 10 episodes deep. And I got hold of Les Brown. Uh, you guys know Les Brown, the motivational yeah, speaker? Yeah, yeah.
2: I-, I saw your YouTube with him. You, are, uh, you had him on your uh, podcast and I listened to that.
1: That was, that was right. Awesome. We, for those who don't know, he's like largely regarded as like the greatest motivational speaker of all time, right? And a hero of mine. And I got his phone number and I cold called this mofo. <laughs> and uh, it was a Saturday morning back in Melbourne. I was butt naked in bed early morning because it was Friday afternoon where he was. And uh, he picks up the phone. He says, hi, oh, Les speaking. And I said, uh, Les Brown. He was, yes, it is. I said, Les Brown, it's Laban Ditchburn from Melbourne, Australia here. And I'm, I've stood bolt upright, you know, so I can project my voice and there's the construction workers working on the apartment that are just checking out this button naked <laughs> lily-white butt. <laughs> my wife's next to me. And I said, Les, it's Laban from Melbourne, Australia here. I said, I'm a huge fan of you and your work and I'm also the host of an amazing podcast series called Become Your Own Superhero and I'd be honoured if you came on and shared your amazing story with our audience. When are you available? And... Uh, he said, well, when are you thinking, boy? And I said, well, to be honest, Les, whenever you're available, it probably works with me. And so, I, so we set it up. It was like Tuesday midnight, like four days later, and I'm packing myself. I've got this 10-year-old laptop. We're running on, you know, the smell of an oily rag. We, we had no money in 2019. When COVID hit, I wasn't eligible for any of the payouts, so we were like bare bonesing it. And he comes on and... One of the first conversations we had before we even started recording the episode was I said, Les, what do you think of the name of the podcast? And the way that he answered that question, if you've ever heard him speak, he just absolutely encapsulated everything I hoped anyone would ever say when they spoke about the the podcast name like that, Become Your Own Superhero. And I was so endeared to this amazing man that I just verbally diarrhea the story of transformation to him, right? You know, Mm -hmm. The drinking and the drugs and the gambling and stuff. And it concluded by saying it in August of 2020, it would have been four years since I touched a drop. Something I said in that story resonated with Les because he said to me, congratulations, Laban. I said, thanks, Les. He goes, do you have a book? And I went, no, I don't. Now, for context, I never finished high school, never went to college. I don't have any qualifications in anything. And I sure as hell had never written anything in my life before, right? He said, if you're going to be a speaker, you need a book for credibility. And then he said, who was the most influential person in your life when you were five years of age? And I had never been asked this question before. It's a great question that you can ask yourself, right? And I thought about it for a minute or two and I was like, my God, despite her many, many flaws, it would be my mum, my darling mother, who we had this horribly dysfunctional relationship for most of my adult life, right? Right. He said, What attributes did you get from your mother? And I was like, Oh man, she was like, she was unconditionally loving. She was tenacious and she was spiritual. And like, he's writing all this stuff down. He looks up at me. He says, Laban, this is a God moment. I'm going to show you how to monetize your passion. And for the next five minutes, gentlemen, he reads back to me the blueprint for this book he wants me to write called Bet on You.
2: And this is the first time you've been a guy. No, this is the first time. But you brought him on your podcast, and that's when he started talking about it.
1: This is even before we started recording the episode, oh, man. right? Yeah. Now, I recorded all this, so I have this footage, right? A miracle in motion. He says, Laban, you're going to write the book. You're going to turn the book into a keynote. You're going to turn the keynote into a three-day retreat, and even if you muck this up, you'll make a couple of hundred grand this year. And – I'm going to interview you on my show, my platform of 4 million followers. Wow. And I'm going to write the forward for your book. Oh, man.
2: I, I read that forward. And, it's good.
1: And, and this is in mid-May 2020, right? And in a moment of complete insanity, I said, Les, if you're going to write the forward for my book, I'll have it to you by June 30. And in six weeks, I pumped out 30,000 words of the first draft of Bet on You and completely changed my life forever.
2: Wow. wow. That's incredible. That's an incredible story. That's awesome. How did you get his number? I mean, how did that come about? How, that miracle. So was. did you know yeah. him before, before <laughs> that? I mean, obviously you probably followed him or you knew <laughs> of him or.
1: So this is kind of where the world's best courage coach stuff came in later, but during my, my failed recruitment business attempt, uh, which I called Carnivore consulting recruitment with bite B Y T E. Cause it was IT consulting. Uh, I'd got this this software technology that exists that exists called Lucia L U S H A dot um, I O I think it is, and it's technology that plugs into like LinkedIn and it would reveal email addresses and phone numbers of um, people that have registered it in the past. It's kind of on the spectrum whether it's like. Legal or not, but it, it like works. It's, it's our style. And, oh, and, and I've spoken to some of the most extraordinary people on the planet as a result. <laughs> that's, that's, and then, of course, once you get less on, getting anyone else on is a piece of cake. Oh, for sure. Wow. Yeah. He's, that's he's the cool, top bro. dog. You went straight to that's the top, awesome. dog. That's really cool. That. All hey, right. Zig Ziglar, you know. Ziglar. Meet you at the top, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so let's, uh, I want to hear your story. Give, give us, give us, give us the, uh, how did, how did, tell us your story. Let's, let's start there.
1: Well, you sort of touched on a little bit with the book, right? I, I found myself at 35. This is in Australia still. And I was single at this point, long before I met my wife. It was a Tuesday night. And I'd had about three bottles of appropriately priced Pinot Noir sort of coursing its way through my veins. And I was gambling on my laptop on a horse race in Hong Kong with money that I shouldn't have been spending. And, you know, it was like degenerate gambling where I wasn't even watching it on TV. I was just refreshing F5, you know, refresh the page to see whether I'd won. And it was about midnight. And I saw a number in the bottom left-hand corner of the screen that I'd never, never seen before. And i have been on this Benning website countless times before, and I just picked up my cell and I called it, and it was for the gambler's helpline number. And this wonderful woman whose last name I don't know that I'll ever find out, but I'll call her Magdalene because her first name was Mary, she answered the phone. And for the first time in my adult life, I actually was listened to without judgment. And I would encourage anyone listening to this, to find an avenue where you can share your, your truth without judgment. It is one of the greatest liberating feelings on the planet Earth, right? And and after I expelled all my verbal diarrhea, she listened with the patience of the Saint, by the way, and then she started speaking about the incredibly high rates of suicide that problem gamblers experience because of how quickly they lose it compared to drinking and drugs and and some of the other addictive behaviours. And that scared the pants off me. And she put me in touch with a gambler's psychologist through the Salvation Army, which was funded by taxes from gambling losses. So for the first time in my gambling career, I actually got up. And that really started this healing journey. And by the end of 2015, I uh, I gave up gambling. And then I gave up alcohol on the 26th of August, 2016. And as I started to to feel better physically and start looking after myself, my my mental health improved. I improved my diet. I fixed this, you know, incurable autoimmune disease, which was gastrointestinal reflux disorder, which I'd been on really strong pills for 17 years and started to put on muscle mass and started to lose weight and started to develop the self-confidence and started to understand that what I went through as a child, was not my, my fault, but it was my responsibility. And that, that my mum and dad did the best they could with the tools they had available, but they were just a couple of children of divorce and loveless marriages themselves. So I came to forgive and let them go and let go of a lot of pain and, and anguish and resentment. And as I did that, I started to learn more about myself and learn about what I wanted and, and the drive came and, and then it sort of flowed forth from there. And I just celebrated in August uh, of this year, six years without a drop of booze and uh, longer for the other stuff. Wow. That's awesome. Wow.
2: I, I, loved I loved when you talked about your parents in your book because I, I so many people throw their parents under their bus for their childhood, right? And I loved that you didn't. You are like, my parents did the best that they could with what they had, with what they knew how to do, you know? And even though you know your parents got divorced and they went through that whole drama, you you were never the victim to it, right? You were never at least now you're not the victim to what your parents put you through as a child. Did you
0: Laban before this experience? Um, did you see your parents? Did you see yourself as a as a victim of of your childhood? Did that change when you had this paradigm shift?
1: My whole life? Yeah. Uh, I wasn't quite as bad as some other family members in terms of you know wallowing in in self-pity and victimhood not that i should compare myself to anyone apart from the person i was the day before right but uh i kind of it was kind of like a destiny i was like i had a a fear of marriage which is gamma phobia in case you're wondering right g-a-m-m-g-a-w-m-a phobia i think and uh I just had failed relationship after another one. Like and and it's because I didn't have any role models of how to execute functional relationships properly. And and so as part of that healing journey, I had to de-learn and then relearn how to be a man, how to step into my masculinity, how to how to ask for help and to ask for help so that I can remain strong and not so that I appeared weak and need to keep asking for help until I get it, which is a Les Brown quote, right? And, and that was real. I was like, oh, man, no one is coming to save me, right? And you hear this stuff a lot, but it's true. It's because it works. And when I discovered that no one was coming on the rescue boat, I was like, all right, Ditchburn, you got to pull your finger out of your date and get stuck <laughs> into this now because, like, your time's ticking. And then, um, really, 2018 was a watershed year of my life. I I used a carnivore diet to really ramp up my healing and the mental health, mental health improvements that I experienced eating that way were, I fundamentally believe, believe a huge catalyst for my success and recovery. And there's a lot of science that makes sense why that's the case. But then I started doing these ultra marathons out of the blue and started putting myself in these unbelievable physical, you know, situations. And I, and I went from running, you read in the book, right? From three miles in May, 2018 to running 60 miles, 16 weeks later.
0: On a carnivore like it's diet? unheard of. On a carnivore diet? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. No carbs? In, well, in July last year, I ran a 30 miler on zero sugar. Wow. Zero carbs. I I, I will tell you
0: I, I, my mind is trying to wrap itself around that because it's the whole idea of carbs for carbohydrates to fuel to, doing that with with no carbs that's I I don't understand that, I'll be honest. Did you get that from Joe Rogan cuz Joe Rogan is a big fan of the car- carnivore diet.
2: So too. is uh JP, Jordan yeah, Peterson. He does that a lot as well.
1: Yeah. So um I think Andrew Tate is also a carnivore recently. Yeah. Yeah. All the best people are, right? But it's actually Joe Rogan's podcast. The first person he interviewed, Dr. Chris Kresser, who's a functional medicine guy, who I think might have been on Robert Scott Bell's show at one point, he was the one that spoke about gluten causing reflux. And then so that started me on the healing journey. And then Rogan interviewed Dr. Sean Baker, the carnivore, and that's where I got onto it. But it took about maybe eight months from when I watched that interview for, to, for it to sink in. Because I remember watching that interview going, all meat? That is insanity. Like, that's going to kill me. <laughs> and it's the same as you, Jace. Like, it's once, we're, once we've been indoctrinated with this belief that you need carbohydrates to run these long distances, there's plenty of ultra-distance athletes out there now that are animal-based only. Sean Saf- um, S- Sakhanovsky is a South African ultra-endurance cyclist who I think might have done 5,000 kilometres It's like 3,000 miles on zero sugar, zero carbs. Crazy. Mind-blowing, right? That that is. But the the significance of it is not the physical side of things. It was my body was healing, and I was healing physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And and what I find so interesting, and I talk about this to friends of mine a lot, is my political views, which were left-leaning libertarianism, too conservative over the course of a couple of years, like Laban six years ago would absolutely have put pronouns in his bio. Oh, which makes yes. Wow, we,
0: we couldn't we, have been talking then, bro. <laughs> and you and you say that's all the carnivore. Uh, so when you talk no, about the, that no, that can't be the carnivore but, diet. But no, but what it is? Got is rid of the liberal lost, sick thinking. Well, <laughs> well
2: it's because you lost weight. I imagine the carnivore diet makes you lose weight and put on muscle, right? So it basically puts you in a a calorie deficit. And I think anytime you're in a calorie deficit, I think you're you're spiritually stronger. And obviously, you're thinking straight, and you're not liberal. Right? (laughs) I mean,
0: go
1: go on, go on. Yeah, let me let me go a little bit technical. The science behind it is, is that I healed my gut, right? Autoimmune stems from Intestinal permeability, leaky gut. You can talk to Robert Scott Bell about this in more detail. He'd be able to go real deep. I believe that I healed that. The the gut is where 90% of the dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin is generated, right? All the feel good stuff. I'm not saying that goes into the brain, but it's generated there. And when you're burning body fat as fuel, you're also burning off stored toxins because toxins store Mm. in our fat cells. And in the book, you, you, if you remember me crying at about the 8, 9-mile mark when I do these runs, I theorize that the tr- stored trauma that I had my whole life was potentially stored physically in body fat and was chelated off as I was running because I don't cry anymore when I do these runs. Mm. Isn't that that's interesting? interesting? Wow, that's really interesting. You know, it could be a complete it, bollocks, but it sounds no, good. No, but
0: it, it's, you know, there is something about – Endurance sports, um, that, that is, that's healing in a sense that I think that, that helps release hormones that helps overcome addiction. I don't understand the correlation, but I know that I had a very addicted, uh, childhood, uh, divorce, the whole nine yards, you know, got involved with all sorts of problems that, you know, dropped out of school, um, uh, but it was I got into mountain bike racing and and these endurance sports, you know, mountain bike racing, road racing, and that I was able to completely leave a complete have to do a complete 180, like completely leave all the friends, all the you know, the, all the lifestyle, all the drugs, a complete different person, immersing myself in in that identity as as an athlete, and it's it's interesting because. I don't find the same tran- correlation and tran- with bodybuilding uh, as I did when, because again, I, I I had a problem later in life where I went I went through it way worse than I did as a child, way worse uh, when I got divorced, and I was into bodybuilding and bodybuilding did not I did not find that same I don't know like it did did do it was not nearly the same as as when I was racing bikes. I don't know, I don't know if there's why that would be, but I just wonder if there is something that that endurance at that endurance sports help with Any were thoughts? You natural
1: were you a natural athlete Are you juicing at all I take test no when you were bodybuilding though
0: yeah te- well I mean I did a cycle back in the day it messed me up i it it messed me up yeah. i mean it was I wonder- it, it jacked me up it, it was <laughs> It jacked me up bad enough and I never did it again. I'll tell you that. I mean, I've, I've used I, – I, I use tests. I'll take tests. But but adding stuff to it, no.
1: I mean, there's zero judgment, by the way. I'm just curious to know a lot of um, testosterone, particularly if you're injecting, can cause a lot of uh, intestinal permeability, leaky gut stuff. And and the shit hits a fan when you when you uh, muck mucking around with gut. And the, the reason, you know – the reason why you feel good when you just eat a steak and nothing else is because there's no fiber in steak. It's like, and and fiber is a non-essential nutrient. Carbohydrates are a non-essential, right? We can, as in we can survive without them. And when you think about our ancestors hunting, you know, in in the um, Sierra of Africa or whatever, they would jog up to two marathon distances to hunt down animals. And so when you think about how would they have survived? Would, would it have made sense for them to have a positive physical feedback loop when they're exercising and they would have been, probably haven't eaten, so they're fasting. And uh, I don't know, it's really interesting because I, I burn off a lot of my aggression by doing heavy weights now, but I've only just started doing it and I'm completely natural. Just that's my choice though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so how long were you on the carnivore diet? Do you still do that? Or did you do it for a week? Did you do it for a month? I mean, how long do you three years.
1: for years,
0: three years. Three, three years, three years, three years, three yeah. years, mm.
1: straight steak, straight meat, red meat? Not well, 90, 99%. I don't want to make it out like I was 100% perfect, because I'd still have ice cream and stuff from time to time. But like I was needing any fruit or vegetables, really, for 99% of the time. Yeah, I don't wow. do that now as it is. Wow. That's wow! And it sounds extreme. So, it what do you do extreme, now as your diet? So
0: good. What do you, What do you do for your diet now?
1: I've focused on. I've been able to reintroduce more things that I was never able to eat when I was unwell because I've I've done I've done a lot of work and been able to heal my my robustness because it's not a sign of health having very limited food options like that. I got a, a dear friend of mine, Emily Penton, who cured uh, multiple sclerosis. Well. When I say cured, she's put into remission for three years, multiple sclerosis and bipolar disorder, and she only eats predominantly raw meat, raw beef meat, um, regeneratively farmed and grass-fed, grass-finished, and beef fat. That's all she eats. Wow. Hmm. Right? It's kind of like Michaela Peterson um, had to do that as well, Jordan Peterson's daughter. Yeah. So, so I just I've got the freedom. Like when we were in Utah, I was really enjoying going to Cubby's, this, you know, this organic fast food joint. Don't know if you've been there, I yeah. highly recommend mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, and gluten-free bread and you know, staying with Robert Scott Bell and and Nancy his wife, you know, their whole house is a hundred percent organic. So we just if they were cooking for us or we'd cook for them, I'd just I'd have mashed potato, you know, and I've stacked on a little bit of weight from when I was at my leanest. But I'm uh and I'm, that's just a, another part of my journey. You know, like, my wife and I have gone through the most extraordinary last 12 months. Like, we fled the lockdown of Australia. She got out via Russia. I got out via Germany. We were stuck in those respective countries. We weren't allowed to go back to Australia because of the vaccine mandates. And we're like, what What do we do? And I came to Playa del Carmen on a boys' trip 12 years ago, and I'm like, let's go to Mexico. Yeah, buddy. So... So we came here with the shirts on our back and a suitcase, and left all that other stuff behind in Australia. And and so there's been moments where I've I put my hand up and I'll say, you know what, emotionally eating is something that has been part of that journey. You know, like it's been incredibly challenging. And and because my wife and I, on top of all that other stuff, her and I have gone through sixteen consecutive miscarriages. Right. Oh my so gosh. there's there's been a bit of pressure. And I'm starting my entrepreneurial journey like. Fleeing from my home country, you know that's <laughs> crazy. Wow.
0: Bring so, it on! Yeah, that's awesome, bro. You, I, I love, I, I'm, I love your story. and I really want to really dig a lot more into it. There have so many questions, but world's best courage coach. Where does that come into play? Well, tell one us of my about favorite that.
1: Questions these days. <laughs> There's a guy called Steve Hardison who lives in in Mesa, in Arizona. He's a Mormon guy. And he is known as the ultimate coach, right? And he's a, um, to describe him as a life coach is to describe Michael Jordan as an amateur basketballer, right? Just doesn't, would never do it any justice. And up until about a year ago, Steve Hardison, who's in his 60s now, was a complete enigma. And to work with him cost you 200K for 50 hours Mm -hmm. and you had to fly to his home in Mesa. He would never do virtual or he never did interviews on podcasts. He used to coach people like Oprah Winfrey's coach, CEOs of billion-dollar organizations, you know, amaz- you know Tony Robbins' ex-wife, Becky Robbins. And I watched this video, which I'd love for you to put in the, sh- in the show notes for people to watch, and it's a video of Steve about two hours long talking about Deuce Latui, who's one of the first uh, Tongan NFL footballers. And it's not about football or sports. It's about the power of declarations. And and I was so moved by this video on YouTube that I was like, man, I need to speak to the Steve Hardison guy to see whether he's the real deal or not, right? So I got his phone number from the same software that I got, Les Brown. <laughs> <laughs> he picks up the phone and he said, this is when I'm back in Australia. He goes, this is Steve. And I said, Steve Hardison. He goes, yes, it is. I said, it's Laban Ditchburn from Melbourne, Australia. He goes, Laban. So great to hear from you. I've been waiting for this call on my life. Like, like, <laughs> like who is this guy, right? <laughs> Best way to answer the phone I've ever heard in my life. Whoa. And I said, Steve, I just watched this video. You're talking about this Deuce Latouille guy, and I was so moved by it. Like it was DNA alteringly good for me, right? And I just wanted to ask you one very specific question because I I knew this guy was loaded. I knew this guy was happy in what he did. He was happily married and just devoted to his wife. And I had nothing to offer this guy right but I said to him hey Steve what do you need help with and he goes wow Laban he said I really want to thank you for asking me that question he goes you know what I'm 64 years old I'm 8% body fat I do 10 miles a day and I've got everything a man could ever want but I really want to acknowledge you for asking me that question and I said oh no worries, Steve I said uh he's still going on not going on podcasts and doing interviews and stuff he goes that's right and I said okay uh reason I ask is I'm a speaker I'm a coach and I got this podcast series and I'm well on my way to being known as the world's most positively influential speaker. Someone I spoke to the other day uh, told me there was too much ego associated with that statement. He yells down the phone at me. He goes, "Laban, you tell that person to fuck off. <laughs> you know who I am. <laughs> Sorry for the profanity. And I said, who are you, Steve? He goes, I'm the best coach in the world. And the way he said that line There was zero ego associated with it, none, none at all. And it was one of the most extraordinary things I'd ever heard, and I was like, what is this? We spent 13 minutes that changed my life forever. And I got off that phone call, and I rang a friend of mine, Chris Doris, who featured in the video, who's also a really well-known coach, known as the mental toughness coach. He's worked with PGA golfers and footballers and that kind of thing as well. And he'd become a good friend of mine. And I rang him up and I said, hey, Chris, I just got off the phone to Steve Hardison. He goes, what? And I go, yeah, I was just talking to Steve Hardison for like 15 minutes. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I was just talking to Steve Hardison. He goes, you just called Steve Hardison out of the blue like that? And I go, <laughs> yeah, what's the big deal? bro. Do you, do you have any idea the gift of courage you had to bring to the world? And in that moment, the world's best courage coach was created, right? Oh. Nothing to do at all with ego, but a declaration that I make to the universe. How would the world's best courage coach conduct himself? And I said to Chris, I said, and as in Russia at the moment, we got no money. i got to get out of the country as well. Like, help me. Help me. What do I do? We brainstormed for three hours. And this guy charges three grand an hour if you're lucky enough to be able to work with him. Did this for free. And we came up with a script that I was going to hold call the biggest CEOs on the planet and, and read this to him. And I started calling these companies in the US and I spoke to the CEO of Zoom, Eric Yang, and he was on his car phone, he couldn't really hear me. And I rung some guy at Cisco and didn't get through and someone else at Walmart didn't get through. And then it was getting late in the USA. So I started calling companies in Australia and I called this real estate company called Hodges Real Estate. And it's Australia's oldest real estate company. And the CEO, his phone number I got from the same software that I called Steve Hardison <laughs> and Les Brown. You see a pattern here, oh, I do see but- it. Some and this guy picks up software, the phone, man. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> this guy picks up the phone. He says, hi, Tony speaking. I said, Tony Zarka? He said, yes, it is. I said, Tony Zarka, it's Laban Ditchburn here from Melbourne, Australia. This is when I'm back in Melbourne. He goes, oh, hi, hi Laban. Do we know each other? I said, Tony, uh, we've never spoken. Today's your lucky day. He goes, he laughs. What's well, my lucky day, Laban? I said, because, Tony, I'm the world's best courage coach. And I teach your people how to take bold, massive, strategically courageous action to facilitate their own miraculous outcomes. Boom. We had 13 minutes on that phone call that resulted in me being invited back the following Wednesday to pitch for training and coaching for this organisation. We We're still in lockdown, so it was all virtual. We jump on this Zoom the next Wednesday, and I asked this guy, Tony, one question, because Steve Artisan says the power is in the listener. And I just listened after asking him a question, what he wanted to do with the business. He wanted to go from good to great. And over 45 minutes of him talking nonstop, he told me everything that I needed to know in order to serve this, this organisation, serve this man the best way I could. And he finishes, and I said, Tony, what about becoming the best real estate company in the state of Victoria? And his eyes widen and he looks up and left and he starts nodding sort of subconsciously. And he's like... Yeah, and I said, well, Tony, what about being the best real estate company in Australia? And now he's getting really into it, right? And I said, Tony, you do realize that in order for you to have the best real estate company in Australia, you need to be the best real estate CEO in Australia. And 30 seconds later, Tony Zak is standing tall at his home, yelling at the top of his lungs,
0: I'm the best real estate CEO in the world! (laughs)
1: <laughs> I love it, <laughs> and it completely changed my life in the process. And it allowed me to break through this glass ceiling in my own mind of what I thought was possible, who I who could who I could impact, and and to play at a level that I knew that I deserved to be at. And I pitched a quarter of a million dollars worth of training and coaching to this organisation on that call. I wasn't laughed. He didn't hang up on me. He didn't tell me to f off. He just said to me, Laban, he said, I physically do not have the liquid on me right now, but let me see what I can do. And with what happened with Hodges Real Estate or Tony Zarka is irrelevant at this point, because the momentum from that conversation, from making that simple declaration of the world's best courage coach, because who on God's green earth has the gumption to go around making a declaration like that? Yeah, People need to take a stand in this world, right? We need men to stand, to take a stand in, for the world that we're in, to, to lead and not follow. I saw you had the Lions Not Sheep guys on last week, which is a powerful, powerful interview, which I love so much. We need more of us to step into our greatness, to our genius, to our sweet spot, our God-given gift of being bold, brave, and courageous.
0: Lee, that's power. That's powerful, man. Let me ask you a question. So many of us live so, so, so far below our potential. And let's just say, let's just talk about the men right now. Um, why is that? And what, and what can our listeners do who feel like there's more in them uh, to unleash that, to become what they're capable of becoming?
1: First first question is like why is that I, I don't know the answer exactly but my guess is that society has has made it okay for men to be weak or they think it's okay to be weak not knowing the consequences on the rest of society that's going to have you know you've heard that, that saying many times that you know bad times create strong men strong men create good times good times create weak men you know and we are in the weak men phase yeah, we absolutely are and it, and in terms, of, in terms of what to do about it, the, you know, the, the, the podcast for me, I've done about 175 interviews now and I've interviewed maybe 25 Hall of Fame speakers and there's only 250 that have ever lived. And, and the reason I would bring those people on is because they are the ones to me that have overcome adversity and have succeeded in life and do it and, and operate from a place of high integrity and honesty and truth. And so I've chosen to surround myself with people that have achieved what I want to achieve. So my advice to anyone looking to start out, find someone that is one step ahead of you, right? One step ahead of you is a minimum. That movie Catch Me If You Can with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio had yeah. based on Frank Abagnale, right? He He taught a whole semester of school when he was 17. And they interviewed Frank years later and said, Frank, how did you do that? And he said, I just grabbed the lesson book in the classroom and I read the lesson, I was one lesson ahead. You don't need to have Les Brown guiding you through out of the quagmire, because I did a hell of a lot of work long before Les Brown came on the scene, right? And I read books about, I read the game to start off with, you know, and got some ideas from that. And I fundamentally disagree with most of the negging and all the other crap in there as well, but there's some great points. I read a guy, Corey Wayne, the, you know how to be a three percent man. I just took all the stuff that resonated with me, got myself clean, and was prepared to lose friends and family as a result. And by God, did I do that? Ninety-nine percent of my former circle of friends is ev- evaporated out of my life. But what that does is it creates amazing space to hang around people like you two guys. Do you know what I mean? To call some of these people my friends now that are icons of of motivation and self development. And that's the greatest gift that that I can give anyone today. I think.
0: I love it. Wow. I love it. So t- tell me this, uh, because I'm fascinated by your story here. You know, one day you're an addict. Uh, you're struggling with, and and I'm going to assume that when you're when you were living as an addict, you did not think the highest of yourself. Uh, addicts tend to t- tend to be frustrated with who they are because. Uh, they live in conflict with themselves constantly. Um, they're constantly at war with themselves and constantly lying to themselves. So, th- so it's hard to be really truly happy as an addict and and to think highly of yourself. So I see a transition of someone who did not think highly of themselves, did not see their potential, or maybe did not believe it at the time, to someone who transformed to believe that they were the. That they're worthy of anything, capable of anything, including becoming the world's best courage coach. Uh, what you know to our listeners out there that are that are struggling with with again with 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 in that rut of their lives where they're frustrated with what they're doing, where they are, and running around in circles uh, that maybe struggle to believe that they have that divinity within them because we all do. We all have divinity within us. We're all capable of. <laughs> I think i I believe hell is when we pass through the other side and realize what we were truly capable of and what we left on the table, how small we played. so h- how do you make that transition from from being the guy that's that's struggling you know at war with himself, doesn't like himself to becoming to, to flipping to the dime dropping and, and 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 winning the battle within and becoming seeing who you're truly capable of.
1: I had uh, the honor, a a real thrill for me to interview Jack Canfield about a year ago, or maybe a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that really stuck out in that conversation was about the significance of negative self-talk. And ever since that interview, I've become ruthless. You will never hear me use negative self-talk well, to say never is pretty bored. Let's say it's very unlikely. And even though I mentioned that my business was a disaster, like I use that for effect only. He talks about putting a swear jar in your home, but instead of swearing, negative self-talk, for every negative self-talk statement, it's $5. And, and when I started to pay attention about how I spoke about myself, because you've got to remember, I was a validation seeker. And I used to use a lot of self-deprecating humor to get people to like me. And, and as soon as I cut that out, I was like, my God, listen to how other people talk about themselves. And I was surrounded by people that were exactly the same. I was like, I've got to get the hell out of this. So when you get rid of it yourself, you, you become hyper-conscious of how other people talk. And if you find that everyone else is talking poorly about themselves, find a new circle of people. And it might be a little bit lonely to begin with, but it's the best thing you would ever do for yourself. So that's, the, the, that's a great place to start because you can control it. Quit talking about yourself. You'd never talk to your friend about the way that you talk about yourself. I would tell you to get stuff. Don't talk to me like that. Why would you do it to yourself? And we know the power of words. They know it. quantum physics. They know like there's studies done on watermelon seeds where they yell abuse and the seed doesn't grow and they when they give it love and they send it love and abundance, it grows 10 centimetres. Like these studies have been replicated time and time again in the real world. Fascinating stuff. Best thing I've ever done for myself. And if you do catch me, I'll pay you five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a
2: story. Jack Canfield, he's a man. That, that's, that's a pretty big get for you. How did you get hit? How did you get him on your podcast? Is that another number sort of got, in your book? Um,
1: That's not well, another. <laughs> no, no. He, he was introduced to me by um, someone that I met after I interviewed uh, Bob Burg from who co-authored the Go Giver book, which is a, yeah, a that wonderful, is wonderful book. book that I highly, yeah. yeah, nice I short that. read. Mm-hmm. He, he, I shared that interview. Someone saw me on LinkedIn. This guy Joe Perone, who will forever be an amazing dear friend of mine, and uh, he reached out and said, "What do you need to help with?" And he proceeded to connect me with all these amazing people and Jack Canfield was one of them. Um, And it was, was, I'll never forget it because the first question I asked him, because when Jack came on, he'd been on a podcast tour. He must have done 250 podcasts in the last 12 months. During lockdown, he was just burnt out. And I said, "Uh, hey, Jack, I've got a commitment for you. And he's like, what's that? And I said, you're going to leave this podcast with more energy than when you started. And he's like, all right, then I'll hold you to that. So the first question I asked him was, Hey, Jack, um, my wife and I have had 16 consecutive miscarriages. Uh, what advice would you give us to help bring this baby into the We <laughs> 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 just, like, just snap into success principles mode oh, yeah, and, yeah, and we're yeah, off yeah. and running. So, um, yeah, I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed. So how, very big, blessed how big of a
2: deal is that success principles? You've obviously gone to the next level. A lot of our listeners are, you know, there's a lot of men out there. How do I get to the next level? How do I get the, where I'm trying to go? Would you would you go back to the success principles to start with? Is that where, you, you know, you said you read a bunch of books and you took some things out of all these books. Would you say that's where to start for a bunch of people that are looking to get it to the next level?
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, reading, getting on the podcast, like watching or listening podcasts. there's so much unbelievable free resource, you know, like don't get me wrong, gentlemen, life is not without its challenges and, and the roller coaster ride of being an entrepreneur and bouncing around countries, and it's been very challenging at times. But understanding that all of these things that happen to us are for us is so powerful. And once you learn that, like, oh, man, all this stuff keeps happening to me, like there's a reason why, right? And then when you can start to reframe it and use it as a, as your fuel and your superpower and realise that owning all of your demons, owning the fact that you used to be a degenerate, can be a really powerful tool in helping others. Whether you become a, a transformational speaker or you write a book or you create a podcast or you talk to someone at the supermarket about your experience, like talking it out helps take the sting out of it. And I said it before, or hopefully I did, and I'll say it again, If I, what people think of me is none of my business. It's none of my business. And that is not easy when you start out you got to keep saying it and keep believing it and practicing it. And then you realize that it's it's not about you anymore. It's about serving others, even if you're just starting a new healing journey. I love it. That's powerful. Uh,
0: Laban, <clears throat> one of the things that uh, you said um, in, your, in your bio really resonated with me because it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately. And uh, one of the quotes that's, that's been on my mind that I've, been, that I've been thinking about a lot lately is, um, and I forget who said it, but, it's, but he said, nothing is, is as difficult as not deceiving ourselves. And, and I thought a lot about that, and, and I believe it's true. I think it is so hard to be honest with ourselves, to not deceive ourselves, to, to admit we have problems. Um, but, it, but isn't that it,
2: part of the self-sabotage that he's just talking about? No, no, I because think it's honesty. You, yeah, you, yeah, but you're being I think honest with you... You, you,
0: you, can't, you cannot live in, self de- in self-deceit. You cannot live a lie. See, the problem is is, is is we don't think our own stuff stinks. We don't see our, our blind spots. We don't want to see our blind spots, so we pretend they're not there. We pretend our flaws aren't. We pretend we're not addicts. We pretend we don't have problems. Other people see it, and we want to ignore it and pretend we, that those issues aren't there, and so we never address them. It's it's hiding from our it's hiding. It's not courageous. It's it's a, it's it's, and we all do it. It's it is one of the most difficult things is to truly because we have two two voices within us, right? Mm-hmm. We have the higher voice that that higher self this you know your intelligence your 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 con- that conscience that is ever calling you to your greatness sure yeah and then you have that other that other voice that's always telling you to take shortcuts. It's telling you, it's it's, it's telling you to take, it's telling you, well, you can do this. And, and, and for him coming out of addiction, oh, you can have this drink. And it's not really so bad to do that, to drink. And in moderation, I know you are, you, I know you felt it and you've battled these demons is, is, you know what? If just one drinks, not a problem. Like, you know, even these people I respect, they drink. We, 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 we sit there and we debate, we lie, we negotiate. We are constantly at yeah, war but I, I within. Mean, at the same time, we're still. We're still down on ourselves. We're still hard on ourselves because our life is still miserable. But, there's, what, what but I you... think I think there's a right way. To, but the, the fact of the matter is, you first have to acknowledge that there is a battle constantly going in between between our highest self, which is which is the voice which he's listened to, that's helped him be. He's followed that voice to his to his greatness. And then there's that other side of us that's constantly pushing back, telling us why we don't need to do that. Telling us why we can live a more relaxed life trying to justify justification. And 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 we and I believe, and that's why that quote is so strong, because not deceiving ourselves is one of the hardest things we do, is it is so difficult not to just when when the voice says you know better. To, to, we we want to pretend that voice is ah nah that's that's not important that's not essential I can I'm I'm okay the way things are self deception I think I think it is one of the greatest challenges because if we didn't self deceive ourselves and we were truly honest to that voice all of us would be living lives of insane insane greatness we're the ones that hold ourselves back. That's that's that to me. And that. so when you said so when you're when you're in your bio, you said that you help people discover the demons they don't know they have. Most people don't know they have the demons. You talk to addicts they're, they're They will not admit they're addicts. They don't know they're addicts. They can't they cannot wrap their mind around the fact they have a problem. They lie to themselves.
1: Yeah, well, How that, many what, people do you know that point? jacked
0: up and they, and they will not admit it? Yeah, but what what's the point
2: that they finally admit What was the point that finally admitted that? Hey, I've got a problem with uh, gambling. I mean, what's that point that you finally say enough's enough? I or, or were you just listening to something inside that says I need to call this phone number? What is that, Laban?
1: What nah, do you think about that. Well, there's there's probably two parts I reckon. But I, I was in a I was in a in so much spiritual and emotional pain that and you hear addicts talk about this a lot, like a rock, like a legitimate rock bottom. In whatever facet you want to call it, that the pain of the future was less than what I was in. So whatever I had to go through was going to be less than what I was experiencing. No matter what, no matter what it was. That's when you know things are tough. And and it's it, there's a sense of relief when you finally do admit to yourself that things aren't quite right. And that's you bottom. can gloss that's- up.
2: That's rock bottom, you consider that rock bottom when you admit to yourself that something's not right?
0: Because if it, you're- It can be, it. I don't think it has to be rock bottom, but it, there, has to be, there has to be a time of reckoning. And I think usually it takes an immense amount of suffering for us to sit back and say, okay, I'm going to look at something, the dragons I've been hiding, the dragons I've been trying to pretend are not there in my life. I'm going to pull open the covers and look at them and, and acknowledge them we hide from that we hide from our dirt would you agree with that
1: yeah and and just the example of like how many of you guys that have had to go through horrendous divorces like sure is it sean the guy sean whalen the line not sheep like you know he was talking about it's that's the experience for me i could have easily gotten married earlier to someone that didn't serve me well and easily have gone and had kids and gone through a horrendous divorce just like everyone else in my family. But that was just my journey. So maybe that was the gift that I got, not, you know, having a family that I had to put them through that. Um, I I don't know, and and I'm proud to say I don't have all the answers, right? The more I figure out about life, the the more the less I realise I know about the world, you know? And and when you get good at just saying I don't know and and asking for help, I I receive so much help from people in my life, so much help. But it, by doing so, it allows me to give way more than I'd ever be able to do if I wasn't asking for help. And that's the simplicity and the beauty of it. Like you you're help, you're you're allowing other people to be served by your own humility and just saying I do need help, because when you become and you start to become this kind of person, and I'm still a long way done, you know, I've still got plenty to do, you can then help other people. You know, if, if one person read that book that goes, right, that's it, I'm done, I'm going to go and kick ass, like, it's it's worth it a thousand times over. And that's the significance. You've, you've got this role to play and, and all the dra- all the drama and the stuff you've gone through, and all the shit, the abuse and everything else is all there as part of your apprenticeship, to become the person that you need to be—that's what I think.
2: I like that you said that because Charles Barkley mentions that we should all have coaches in our life. Do you still have coaches in your life that you go to? I mean, he's a big proponent of you know self-help coach, uh, diet coach, any kind of coaches. That's what makes you better, right? So, so, even if you think you're on your game, are you really on your game? You know, oh, I don't have any problems, I don't have any addictions, I don't have any real vices in my life, right? but I still am not at the level that that we're talking about that we know that is within us, right? So, to get to that next level, are coaches would you say coaches are the number one way to get there?
1: I could not recommend a coach more highly enough, not just because I am a coach. I'm very blessed to have access to some of the best coaches on the planet. And it's just because of the 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 um the, uh, the area that I roll in, you know, I'm I'm a co-host of another podcast called the ultimate coach podcast, which is kind of created from this whole Steve Artisan thing. And, uh, I'm, I don't know where I'd be, you know, I, I really don't know where I'd be. You know, they talk, um, Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich author talks about the power of the mastermind as well. And, you know, I created this world's best mastermind in February this year, right? And we've got 20 people who are some of the most extraordinary people on the planet. And Les Brown is in the mastermind, right? Yes. We've got four Hall of Fame speakers, four New York Times best-selling authors, you know, some of the best speakers on the planet and and coaches and podcasters. And and The leveling up that takes place from me by being in those environments, like I don't, I can't quantify any of this stuff. These are the people that I choose to spend the majority of my time with, and that allows you to just to ascend at a rate far faster than you ever could by yourself. And they talk about what you could achieve in one year of a mastermind is equivalent to what you might learn in a lifetime of doing it by yourself. So I could not recommend. You know, I, I wrote about having Dolly, my my life coach, in 2017 after I had that bro- that breakup with. Um, I called her Tulip in the book, but her real name's Daisy, right? Very clever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she thinks so. Um, and uh, and she just spoke to me about the simplicity of setting goals, and and she was based in Mauritius, and we were doing this virtually before virtual was even cool, right? And I found my list of goals. From 2000, August 2017, and the number one was to have um, written my autobiography. You know what I mean? Like the book came out in December last year. Oh, wow. I was just like, so wow. cool! It's so awesome. cool. So find a way to to be mentored or coached by someone, and even if you don't have any money, there's there's so many free resources out there of people you can be inspired by until you're in a position to invest. Because when you pay, you pay attention.
0: Mm, that's great
2: let me ask go ahead ahead. no and you did mention in your book how and you mentioned it here earlier is the free resources on the internet are incredible nowadays on youtube i mean you can pretty much get anything you want or learn anything you want on youtube Uh, to to start there would be you know like say it's free
1: if you if you buy the paperback version of bet on you In the back pages is the recommended reading resources of some of the most impactful of the many books that I've read. And I think I've read close to 600 books in the last four and a half years. Um, When I was interviewing all these guests, I was reading three books a week when I was during the middle of the lockdown. So I pumped out a lot of them. But there's a book, uh, Facing Codependence, by Pia Melody, P-I-A-M-E-L-L-O-D-Y. That was the one of the most confronting books that I've ever read in my life, but it yeah. explained all the behavior that I developed as a result of growing up in a, in a, as a child of divorce. Right. And I was like, Oh, I can start healing now. You know, Corey Wayne's how to be a 3% man. Like, Oh, that's, Oh, that's the opposite of what I've been doing. I've been trying <laughs> to get girls to like me so that they'll sleep with me, you know, like, Oh, <laughs> yuck. Um, there was uh, Mark Manson models attracting women through honesty one of the greatest books I've ever read. I was like, oh, maybe I'll try and be honest with my current partner. And I said to Anna when we, when we met, we've been together just over four years now, I said, Anna, I've lived a life and you can ask me anything you want as long as you're happy to hear the answer. And she did. She bloody did. And I was like, and there's like most of it's in the book, but there's the odd thing here and there that wasn't relevant. And I was like, oh yeah, I did that and that, yeah, I did this. And then it's like, but now... The bond of trust that has been built in our relationship means we can talk about anything. And if I could share something really personal with you guys, yeah. and I have Anna's permission for this because she talks about it, she's got her own podcast. A year into our relationship, because of that bond of trust that we created early on, she revealed to me that from the age of 15 until she was 21, growing up in Russia, she was systematically sexually abused by a stepfather, resulting in two pregnancies and two forced illegal abortions, one of which damaged the uterine wall, which is the direct cause of the 16 consecutive miscarriages that I mentioned earlier, right? And the reason Anna was in Russia last year, Jens, was because she did all the healing and all the growth and was able to come clean and tell her mother. And the mother and the stepfather had split up many years before and her mother went full mama bear crazy. Got the police involved, and she she had to go to Russia to testify. She was subpoenaed to testify against this piece of dirt. I would love and to hear.
0: I would love to hear her story. Does <laughs> she talk about her story and what she went through and how she coped with it as a child and and how she overcame all the ways she coped, learned to cope with it.
1: Oh, dude! I might be the world's best courage coach, but she's the most courageous person I know. She's got a podcast that she hosts now. It's called World's Best Trauma Recovery Podcast. That's awesome. I love it. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is like, awesome. You,
1: you, she, she'd love to talk to you guys about this. She absolutely crushes it. And when you look at her, she does not look like someone who has gone through that. She's forgiven the perpetrator. She's forgiven wow. her mother. She's forgiven her biological wow. father for abandoning her. Who does that? No, yeah, no so whenever I've that. got like, oh, that guy <laughs> cut it in front of me, she, it's just like. <laughs> you got nothing to worry about ditchburn did she
0: um did she have a drug problem an alcohol problem coming out of that type of uh, no she never got caught up in drugs no. and alcohol trying she, to escape that type of stuff
1: no not at all she went the the perfectionism route mm. she uh, well probably best to to get it from her but like she was then attracted she because she was married um, before her and I got together, and was in a an abusive relationship, right? Because you, as you can imagine, all she's ever known, she never had a father who was a functional dude, and she was just attracting these these guys. Of course. And uh, and so she's gone through her own her own amazing journey. But um, oh, man, she she'd love to talk yeah, to guys I'm about this stuff. I'm fascinated by
0: her already. Um, <clears throat> what advice do you have? Um, you know, you brought up the quote about, uh, you know, good times create weak men. And I think there has never been a period of time in the history of this world where we have lived with such good times and where the average man truly lives like a king. Like the average man today lives better than most emperors could have ever imagined. So we are living, you know, if you look at the cycle of, of nations, of, of the rises and falls, and we are at the height of the greatest uh, cycle of, of of luxury of of, of uh, ease that that humanity has ever known, and it is producing, corollary, the weakest men uh, that this world has ever known, which will create the hardest times this world has ever known. That is, and the times that are coming, a lot of people believe are prophetic. They're they're biblical. What's what's at our doorstep, and you can see. You know, between what's going on with Russia and China, and then our economy, and the, and the, and the, you know, famines that are approaching, and the, and I mean, the, the things, things are approaching, right? There, there is a storm that is coming. Things are set in motion that cannot be undone. Um, this cycle will happen. Nations fall, and there are certain patterns they go through before they fall. We are the patterns are there. Uh, the season is changing. What advice do you have for men? in a time like
1: this? It's a question I ask myself quite a lot in, of, of recent days. And, 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 my I, only- and I want to back up one second.
0: To men who are husbands, who are fathers, what advice do you have for, for these men?
1: I'll revert back to more wise advice that I've yeah. received from... Some of the most successful people on the planet, right? And I'm not. i talking about success in in relationships and and families and and all the good stuff and health and well-being, not just money. But money is important. Is focus on what you can control as best you can. It's and I've done this, and I'm sure you you two lads have as well. Gone down the Telegram rabbit hole and found yourself after a couple of weeks, sort of flooring out, going the The end is nigh. What am I going to do? Like and and uh, and and I found that that was not serving me or my family well. And so like what what can i what can I control? Okay, uh, this, 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 and this. and and be aware of it. Like don't bury your head in the sand, but like follow the lead of other people that you would look up to that that are successful, that are handling this. how what's what's going solve that? can I make F you money in the time between now and when the whole thing collapses, right? Well, can I make enough money to create freedom? That's one of the things about Andrew Tate. Like so many people dislike the guy. I don't know why, but he's just like created F you money. He's got permanent residency to about 20 countries across the planet and a private jet that he can jump on and disappear off to whenever the poop hits the fan, you know, like that's the kind of life I want. And, and I think, you know, that might be out of reach for some people mentally, but, but you don't understand how powerful your ability to create miracles is. Like Anna and I, we had to apply to the Australian government to get out of the country, and the Australian government rejected Anna's first application knowing all the information. It wasn't deemed suitable because of COVID. Now, you can imagine how angry I was. I wanted to kill some mother flipper, right? We got back on the horse and wrote another thing, another application, and that one got approved. My two, my first two got rejected. And the only reason I got out of the country was my publisher was kind enough to write a letter to the government demanding I be made available for a book fair in Frankfurt. <laughs> <laughs> so but those were the things that I could control. I couldn't control all the other stuff. And the more I focused on what I could control, the more in control I felt.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. Laban, you're awesome. I I look forward. You guys to, are awesome. Wow, well, I look forward to uh, having you and Anna back here here in Utah, having you both on the show in person, taking you guys out for some steak. You guys are obviously the experts at steak. So
2: <laughs> I got to ask one question yeah. before we leave: Is your name from the Book of Mormon?
1: It's from the Christian Bible. But I was very pleased to find that it featured heavily in the Mormon Bible, though I don't think King Lavin was too too good. At <laughs> I,
2: love it. You're sl-
1: yeah, I love it, dude. Uh, I, love, I love who it's, you are. And- no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's funny, you know, when you give up drinking and gambling and philandering and stuff, you fit in really well with the Mormon community. <laughs> yeah. like, I think that's why we like guitar so much. Yeah. So uh, I got a lot of respect for my Mormon brothers and sisters. They're great people, and uh, yeah, Utah's a good place, great place. Well, it has been
0: an absolute uh, treat to have you on, and uh, sure I, I I feel like I've Dang. still got uh, a ton of questions, and I'd still have to dig into your uh, your transformation and really understand uh, that because I know we probably just barely touched the surface on on that, and that was probably such a uh, there's probably many, many lessons that you could share with us and with our listeners from, from that. Because it's, it's something few people go through. Few people have the transformation. Few, most people live their lives and, and never, never awaken to what's within them. And uh, so it's, always, it's, it's incredible to speak with someone like you who's done that and inspiring other people to do that as well. Because you want to make this world a better place, you're 100 right. You get you get a small number of people to wake up and become the type of men that they God created them to be, and those few people can turn the world around. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's powerful the 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 power that relies within us if we'll just step into it.
1: Amen, amen, brother, and and, and I'd encourage anyone that's listening to this that we all have Michael Jordan level genius at something, right? And when you find out what what it is, and and a lot of people die and they never know what it was that they were supposed to do. But let me give you a clue, right? It's probably right in front of your face. And it's something that, that involves service, something that involves helping others, guaranteed, the true, true service. And Zig Ziglar says you can get whatever you want in life as long as you help enough other people get what they want. I love, love it, it. I love it i love it i only had my x time. that of was that. good buddy that was good <laughs> i liked it
0: <laughs> all right laban you're Thanks, you're laban. a rock star can't um, wait for the next time we, we will have awesome. uh, please tell anna we would love to have her on as well we'll bring alexia on and uh, we'd love to share her story with uh with with our audience too, how how she's overcome and and learned to be such an incredible person after having gone through so much trauma. So, uh, Laban,
2: where do you buy? Uh, where do you where can people contact you to get some coaching and get your book?
1: Best best places through the website, gents, dot com. Uh, the the books available on Amazon. A recorder in my voice when I was in Berlin when I was in Germany at. Uh, a little studio there, so if you like the uh, the Australian accent. I'm actually born in New Zealand, quick distinction, but I'm half Australian, mm-hmm. so I don't want to lie to people. Um, but their website and uh, if you are moved by anything that we shared today, you know, if you haven't subscribed and rated this podcast, get on there and do it today. Share this with someone you really care about because what these two gentlemen are doing on this particular American masculinity is needed more than the oxygen that we breathe. So get stuck in and support these people that are creating massive waves in the world. God bless you. God bless you. All right, folks, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Laban.
0: It is an amazing time to be alive.